I'm Katherine Spearing, and this is Uncertain. I'm really excited about this episode because it features one of my favorite art forms, dance. I also get to interview a family member. I've interviewed two family members so far, featured in Season 1, Episodes 9 and 10. Today, I'm speaking with Jamie Marino, choreographer and dance teacher, former professional dancer. When it comes to some of the things that felt very damaging growing up as a Christian dancer, I would say, you know, legalism. I often experienced legalism in the church regarding dance. I often felt like a rebel in the church, but way conservative in the world. We discuss embodiment and storytelling through dance. This episode represents the reason art is so important for the church in healing and moving forward. Behind the scenes detail, we recorded this at 10 p.m. after we'd already been talking for two hours. Here's my conversation with Jamie Marino. How's it going? So everyone listening, this is, Jamie is my mom's cousin, but we're still cousins. So does that make us first cousins once removed, right? Is that accurate? Yes. Something like that. Okay. (laughs) I know. Thank you so much for having me on. I've been listening to you interview the other artists. I've really enjoyed listening to the other artists. It's Um, been so fun. It's been awesome. You're doing an awesome job and I can so relate to the other artists as well. So nice. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you as a dancer specifically because all of all of the other types of art or most of the other types of art, they're embodied to some extent because as an artist, you kind of have to be in touch with your body and your intuition. So there is embodiment that happens in other art forms, but the dance art form, there's so much embodiment. And I just feel like that that is a huge, I have no idea if this has anything to do with anything that you're planning to say, but just the idea of dance, especially when it comes to the church and challenging the church to do better. I feel like the church tends to sort of divorce us from the body and say yes evil and and that's what I wanted one of the things I wanted to talk about great I'm so excited yes so I'd love to hear what you have to say about embodiment tell me actually do you want to just tell me your your creative origin story first yeah that would be great so story (laughs) so I I actually have kind of a neat story my mom tells the story that when I was three years old She said, I begged her to put me in a dance class. And she says that she has no idea how I even knew anything about dance because she (laughs) didn't have, she didn't have any intention of putting me in dance. She, it just wasn't anything she really thought about. Not that she wouldn't have put me in dance, but it just wasn't anything that she thought about. My mom was like into softball and, you know, things like that. And she said that she enrolled me in a like parks and rec little you know, creative movement class. And she said that I was so shy. I would hide behind her leg and I would not participate. But you wanted to join, but you wouldn't participate. I wanted to join, but I was every week. I was so shy that I would not participate. And she said that every week she'd say, 
you know, we don't need to go back. Like you're not participating. And she said that I, I would say, no, mom, please, please. You know, <laughs> I want to go back. And so finally, when I was in kindergarten, when I was five, she put me in a jazz class at a local dance studio. And she talked my older brother into taking the class with me. But I was just a very shy little girl and dance really gave me a voice. Tell me about that dance giving you a voice. I just think for me, you know, dance is a way to speak and to be heard. And it's a way to speak from the deepest part of your soul. And, you know, I still would have trouble at even at my age, you know, giving a speech. But if you asked me to perform it to dance, I, I would, I don't have a problem doing that at all. I would love to. And there's a quote that I love by Ruth St. Dennis. And it says, I see dance being used as communication between body and soul to express what is too deep to find for words. And I think, you know, artists tend to be somewhat deep and deep thinkers. And I think that dance is just so beautiful that you're able to express these deep emotions without words. And so that's how I started in dance. I, you know, I grew up dancing in competitions and performing in the Nutcracker Ballet. And then when I was 13, I, I learned about this school in Los Angeles and that then became my dream to go there when I was 18. And so when I was 18, I auditioned for, they had a scholarship program and I got a a scholarship. There were about 20 of us that were on scholarship and it was a year long program. And it was at the edge performing arts center in Los Angeles. And I went there and I stayed there for an extra year. I stayed in LA and I did some like auditions and I did some little jobs here and there and performances. And then I decided that I wanted to be in New York city. All right. And so I moved home for a year to save money. And I moved to New York when I was 21 and I didn't know anyone. And (laughs) I really felt like the Lord was calling me to New York city. It kind of felt like a magical experience. And I ended up one of my first auditions when I went to New York was for the Broadway show Footloose. Oh yeah. They had like a, what they called like a cattle call and they, they had announced it on like all the radio stations and there were thousands of people. I remember waiting outside in the freezing cold on the streets in New York. Cause it was in, I think February when I moved there and, and I made it to the last two girls and it was just such a great experience. Cause it just felt like welcome to New York. Oh, know? that's so cool. Long story short, we found out that they, they, it, they did it for publicity and they didn't end up casting anyone and the show closed two months later. <laughs> no way. But it was still like such a great experience. And, and my whole, really my whole time in New York city was amazing. And I met my husband there and now, you know, we've been married 20 years. We have four sons, but yeah, New York city, I had a great experience there. Uh, That's your heart city. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. And did a bunch of like, I was, I danced in an off-Broadway show for over a year. And that was an exciting time to be getting paid, you know, to perform every night. And awesome. I was on the Cosby show. No way. <laughs> I was just, I was just an extra, but it was still, it was still a fun experience. Absolutely. Very cool. How do you, how does dance show up for you now? 
now I, I teach and choreograph and, you know, teaching and choreographing is one of my loves as well. I started teaching at 16. So I've been teaching for over 25 years and yeah, that's, that's been a great joy in my life. So I'm very grateful to be on that side now. Right. Do you get to dance? Like, I know I see stuff on your Instagram all the time of you dancing. <laughs> I get to dance with my girls and I students and I push myself because I'm trying to still stay active and be able to do the things that I could do when I was in my early 20s. <laughs> but yeah, I, I take, you know, I still take like ballet class. And so that's awesome. It's such a beautiful art form. How does faith show up for you in your in your art so this is this is a question i was looking forward to talking about i just the bible says in exodus 31 3 through 4 that it is the holy spirit who gives artistic expression and moses was a prophet but the tabernacle needed an artist and i guess i I just love that i get to be a co-creator with the creator god i really like how your poet friend put it our creative god creatively created us to be creative yes that was from Mazaray, episode Uh, two i loved that and you know as a christian i want my art to be redemptive god called what he created good and as a christian artist i get to be part of that good creation when i create and i get to call what i do good and you know i just god is a god of beauty and good stories reveal God's beauty and dancers are storytellers. Oh, that's so true. That is yeah. so true. I feel that way. Like I love dance movies and I just like step up and foot loose. And I yeah. just, and there is so much, there's so much storytelling that happens in, it and then is. like, so you think you can dance. What's the other show? Dancing with the stars, just yeah. like the story that's told with dance is I I yeah I think that's why I love it so much yeah dancers are storytellers and it's through story that we're able to make sense of like the confusions and the complications of life and I think the better the narrative the deeper you have to just to go to discover hidden truths and good stories are vehicles of hidden truth and art Mm. gives us deeper understanding of life no matter what kind of art it is and I think you know, we have to use our imagination as artists and we as artists are inviting people to think deeper about life. Mm-hmm. And we're inviting people in the conversation. I, I heard you talk about that as well. And, you know, Jesus used stories in this way. Jesus was God who told stories. You know, choreographing a dance is much like writing a paper or a book or painting a paper. There are layers to it. There's depth. The choreography is the words. I talk about this a lot when I'm teaching because I love to read and I love to write as well. And so to me, I can very clearly see the similarities. We write a story with our movement. And just like a musician plays an instrument, the body is the instrument. The body is the form used to create the music or the art. And so that goes into talking about the body and the church. One thing that I wanted to talk about when it comes to some of the things that felt very damaging growing up as a Christian dancer, I would say, you know, legalism. I often experienced legalism in the church regarding dance. I often felt like a rebel in the church, but way conservative in the world. And Mm -hmm. 
I knew that the Lord had like planted this desire and love for dance in my heart. I knew that it was there from, you know, the time, from the moment he created me really. And I knew that it was a good gift and desire, but unfortunately there were many Christians through the years who would imply that dance was somehow sinful as if the body is inherently sinful. We have to be careful as Christians not to split our bodies from our spirits like the Gnostics did. And I think that's what you were talking about. The Gnostics separated the spirit from the body and the spirit was seen as good, but matter was seen as evil. And I think that happens in the church today too. There's an emphasis on our spirits, but this is where, you know, Jesus is very comforting to me because Jesus was both fully God and fully man. And he had a body, he ate, he drank, he rested. Even the communion meal is a reminder of the necessity of our bodies. God uses creaturely means such as bread and wine to communicate his grace to us. I think that can be very damaging to separate the spirit from the body like the Gnostics did. You said that it was legalistic and and it was the body was sinful. Do you have a story of that happening? Do you have a memory of how did that show up? How did that present in the church? Did they come up to you and say, you shouldn't be a dancer because it's evil or yeah. How did that play out? It's played out several times through the years. I think just recently over the last, I would say 10 years being in the denomination that our family is in now, I finally feel like I've come home in a sense and I have a freedom to pursue dance as a Christian, but for most of my life, I, I felt that, that pull or that, that legalism. And when I was growing up, I attended a Christian school. Once you uh, hit seventh grade, you had to sign something saying that you wouldn't dance. You wouldn't go to movies. <laughs> I think, I don't know if any Christian school is like that now. I ended up going to public school after that for seventh grade, but my older brother, I think ended up signing that. And so here I was a dancer, a dancer, you know, living my life, you know, growing up in a dance studio at, after school, that's, I spent most of my time and I just was saying that dancing was, you can't, you shouldn't do it because Mm. it could, because it could be sinful. Right. And that's where I think the legalism comes in that you should stay away from things because they could be sinful. But, and then I've had other experiences too. I've had Christians talk about dance being immodest and yeah, I mean, I guess I haven't, I can't, I can think of little happened through the years, but these like basically Christian, like institutions or authorities kind of saying that something that you loved and felt called to do was sinful or, or potentially sinful. That would be very disrupting. I can imagine could probably cause a lot of confusion. It was, I felt very confused, but I think in my heart, I knew that my Lord had given me this desire, these abilities, you know, this passion. And so I knew that, that the Lord approved of me, you know, that I wasn't doing anything wrong in God's eyes, but yes, it was confusing for sure. Absolutely. I just think of all the ballets that I've been to and I got to see Misty Copeland in the Kennedy Center and she's she's so like both powerful and 
so graceful at the same time, just this power and this grace. And it's just, oh, you're just glued to it. And you know, that's what I, that's one of the things that I love about dance. And I tell my dance students this, I love that dancers are so beautiful and graceful, but yet so strong. I mean, it's like, it's the perfect mixture of grace and beauty and strength. I mean, I just love it. I love everything about dance. So And I'm so glad it's such an integral part of your life and your story, just from the very beginning until the present. Yeah. Even Uh, now, yeah, at my age. But one, oh, talking about Misty Copeland, my dance students, Misty Copeland dances with the American Ballet Theater. And the American Ballet Theater came to, I believe it was the Detroit Opera House. And they had an audition here in Detroit for like, I don't know, it's just like a, a smaller part, but several of my students auditioned and I got to go watch Misty Copeland and then I got to see my students on stage with (laughs) Misty Copeland. Wow. So that was, that was a really, you know, fun experience as a teacher being able to see that. That's, that is really awesome. She still dances, right? Misty Copeland? I believe so. Yeah. Everything's shut down. Unfortunately. That's true. Oh my gosh. Can we just talk about how like no dance, we can't see dancing. We can't see theater. Like, can we just talk about how tragic that is and how much, I mean, my, my body longs to like be in that live theater room again with the music and the dancing and the singing. I know for six months, I, you know, the dance studios here in Michigan were shut down and I'm just so grateful to be able to be teaching right now. Are you back in studios? Yeah, we went back in uh, September, I believe. That's awesome. Where have you experienced arts as healing? Okay, so this is another great question because I think the cool thing that, about art is that we are both healed by art and as artists, we are also healers, right? So I've experienced, I experience healing in art every time I walk into a dance studio. <laughs> I experience mm. it every time I you know, when I was performing would step on a stage, like for me, I feel like every, like I'm going to take ballet class on Monday. It's my birthday Monday and I'm going and taking ballet class on my birthday. (laughs) And I think for me, just every time I get to take class is a gift. It feels like a gift and same thing with teaching. But I think growing up dance was really healing because I had like a hard you know, my parents divorced, they had a hard teen years. And here's another quote that I love dance is a way to find yourself and lose yourself all at the same time. And I truly, (laughs) I truly feel like, you know, as a teenager, having a hard time growing up, being able to go into the dance studio and just forget about everything. And even now to this day, you know, my father died in 2012, I was able to choreograph a dance in honor of him. I was you know, even now I'm able to go into the dance studio and forget about the cares of the world for, you know, those few hours that I'm teaching. But I, I honestly believe, I'm so glad you're doing this series, Catherine, because I honestly believe that art saves lives. It does. It really does. And, you know, I, I was telling my dance students this a, 
a couple weeks ago that God used dance in my life to save me and not save me as in salvation, but, you know, to help me get through the difficult times of life. And, Mm -hmm. and even now, like being able to create beautiful things to share with each other and bring glory to him. You know, it used to be as a performer, but now as a choreographer, being able to make others feel joy or to think more deeply about life, being able to pass on my love for dance to my students. It just feels so incredibly healing when being able to see the joy on my students' faces as they learn a new step or master a skill. And I had a really great healing moment recently. One of my dance students, her father died unexpectedly over the summer. And she came up to me a few weeks ago and she pulled me aside after class and she said, thank you so much. It's been such a blessing to be able to come to your class and escape from the sadness for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And it just meant the world to me, you know, to hear that, that I could bring some joy in her life. Once a week, she's able to come and laugh and have fun and forget her sorrows, you know, and of course we work hard, but we still have fun. And so, yeah, art is just, it's so healing. I think everyone should, should be able to experience that in some way. Mm, Yeah. So this is like a a much, a, a much simpler experience of this, but so I started dancing just as like exercise because like it's it's covid there's no gyms like we're trapped inside like walking the same walking or running the same blocks like every every day like just like it's harder to be creative with exercise and so I just started just like watching YouTube videos and dancing and there's something and this is this is kind of what they say about yoga a little bit too because when you've experienced trauma you separate from your body and to do something like yoga or dance that puts you back in your body can be really healing. And I feel like I kind of experienced that a little bit with the, with the dancing, just, I, I like, ju- I don't know, just like moving my body, getting, cu- you know, and like feeling like super silly. Cause like my favorite ones were, were hip hop. So <laughs> <laughs> like, like just like doing hip hop in my room, but I don't know, just like my body's fun. My body is good. My yes. body can do cool things. Like just this, I don't know, just enables you to have this kindness posture towards your body, which I think like I, and I've talked about this on the podcast several times, but just, I don't know what your experience was with like purity culture or anything like that, but just this purity culture mindset and which basically taught women that your bodies are dangerous and your bodies are, are, are tempting of men and like cover up and hide and, and which is just the flip side of rape culture, which just basically just blames women for men's sexual problems. And so I think just body's dangerous versus body is good. And so just like yoga itself, and then just being super goofy with dancing and stuff like that has, has helped me just like like body, this body is cool and it's, it's good and it's fun and it's and beautiful and it can do all these amazing things. And just having this more yes. kind, gracious approach to the body. Like, how is that a bad thing? Well, and I think that when we, 
put all that pressure on women, what are we saying that the body is just sexual? Yes. And that's not what the body, it's not just sexual, you know, right. it, it's so much more. And You're absolutely I right. Know, it I, kind of puts that body into this category of like sexual or not sexual. And like, if you're not having sex, then your body isn't really worth much. And then if you, and then if you are married, then it's only worth for how you like pleasure your husband, but something like dance just reveals how amazing the body is and how much it's so much more than sexuality. Right. And I think that kind of goes into how I was made to feel often, you know, here I am perfecting my art and spending hours and hours, you know, working so hard and yet, you know, being made to think that the body is just sexual and that, you know, dance is just, (laughs) and that's not it. And yeah, one of the things I love about dance too, is which you just reminded me is you know, I tell my students that we actually can fly. Did you know that dancers can fly? No, we actually, <laughs> so when we jump, we're, we actually are flying for a second, you know, a few seconds or whatever. Really? And, and you, you feel like you're flying when you're doing this humongous jump and you can fly. I dance, we can fly. And I feel like dancers have like, superpowers in a sense and so you you sharing all that you were having so much fun and you are having so much fun you know that's that's how we feel too you know and and I'm so glad dance is for everybody I'm so glad you're enjoying it yeah really have to use your mind when you yes and that's why it's so embodied because you can't like any other kind of exercise like even running you can like get in your head and just do it but like dancing you have to be present yes and that's another way that just I feel like it could probably help with with the trauma thing because when you've experienced trauma you get stuck in the past but when you're dancing you have to be like present in your body at that Mm -hmm. moment and that that can only be healthy and helpful do you have a favorite dance movie or film or show I don't know if you want to put this on the podcast or not, but I'm trying to think. I actually was thinking about if you asked me that question, not related to dance, what I was going to say. <laughs> and you kind of caught me off guard there. Yeah. I don't, I, you know, growing up my favorite um, movie of all, I mean, like when I say favorite, it was, I was like obsessed with Annie. Um, Annie redhead, curly red hair. Yes. And so like, I used to dress up as Annie and I would talk all my neighbor friends into like playing different parts and we would put on plays for my, you know, my family. And so I was, I loved Annie. I loved, you know, the dancing in that movie. I love going to the theater yes. and watch stuff like that. So for me, it's yeah. a different experience when you go to the theater. Oh, it's, it's so different. Yeah. My favorite movies, I think, or books to read are, I love Jane Austen. Ah, I don't know if you like, do you like Jane Austen? I have read all of Jane Austen's books. I have like three different biographies that I've read of her. I have seen every, every type of film that has ever been made of any Jane Austen, anything. What's your favorite 
Prejudice. What's my favorite Pride and Prejudice? Movie. Okay, yeah. so my favorite right now, it's on Amazon Prime. It's a theater version of Pride and Prejudice. It's Pride and Prejudice the musical. I don't know if it's still on Amazon Prime, but I have literally watched it six times. Okay, I'll have to check that out because I totally love- totally check it out. I love the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice, but I've heard that the one with Colin Firth. Is yeah, good. the six hour one. I heard that one's even better, but I love the Kira Knightley. I love how Jane Austen has this uncanny ability to bring the hero of the story to like slowly bring the hero of the story to the surface. Like you don't, you're not expecting it. And, mm-hmm. and then the hero is just like a man of integrity and- right. And there's a flip. I, there's like a switch. Like yes. you see them one way and then they end up being, being something the completely different at the right. end. Yeah, she definitely does the the human nature part really, really, really well. She does. Mm. She's a boss. She is a boss. Yes. <laughs> Did you? So was that your, your favorite book, movie, song, or film? Or I show? think that. I I would say, yeah, I mean, I love, love, love to read. So I have all kinds of books that it was hard for me to think of a book. I'm actually reading a book right now that is really great for artists, which I think you've already read. It's Walking on Water, Reflections on Faith and Art by Madeline Lingle. Lingle, Lingle, yeah. I love that one. She wrote A Wrinkle in Time. Mm -hmm. That is one of my favorite books. Yeah, I'm reading that right now and everything. I'm like, she wrote this exactly for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's so great. That's what great authors do. It just makes you so delighted that you were chosen among millions to be an artist. Yes. That's kind of how I feel. I'm like, I'm so sad for those who are not artists. (laughs) Oh, and you know, it's funny because this book is so marked up right now with highlighting and me writing stuff in the, you know, the, I can't think of the word. Margins? The margins. <laughs> it's, it's 1030 here. So I know it's so late there, but I, but this book, I mean, there's just so many good things that she says and so many amazing quotes. And yeah, I, I really, I feel really grateful to be an artist for sure. Absolutely. But I do have a quote that I read your quote. And this, and this is by Francis Schaeffer. Yes. It's from his book, Art in the Bible. And it says, no work of art is more important than the Christian's own life. And every Christian is called upon to be an artist in this sense. He may have no gift of writing, no gift of composing or singing, but each man has the gift of creativity in terms of the way he lives his life. In this sense, the Christian's life is to be an artwork. The Christian's life is to be a thing of truth and also a thing of beauty in the midst of a lost and despairing world. Mm. We can end on that note. It's like that saying, all of life is art, right? It, It is. It totally is. No matter what we do in life, we can either face it in a creative way or in a mechanical way. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to live all of my life in a creative way. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Well, it's so true. I feel like the, the world needs artists. And then when I think of just all of the awful stuff 
that's happened in the church in the name of God, using the Bible. And I just think of the work that artists, the healing work that artists are doing and also the work that they're doing just to challenge the culture and challenge the world to do better. Artists have got to be a part of this conversation of, of reminding the church that it needs to do better and just bringing that up. I just, you know, and I feel like the church kind of relegates art artists to the, as you experienced, just kind of to the sidelines and like, oh, you know, you're not, not a real Christian, but. I could talk about dance or I could talk about being a Christian artist forever. <laughs> it's just I, I could too. And I just feel like anytime I do these interviews with our other artists, I get so fired up and like, so excited. I'm just like, it's like, we're all speaking the same language. We are. And, I yeah. feel like listening to your podcast of the other artists, I feel that way. When I'm reading her book, Walking on Water, that's exactly how I feel. Just exactly what you just said. Right. So I so I feel so grateful that you had me on your show. So thank you so much, Catherine. You're doing a good work. Thank you, Jamie. And I am so glad that you wanted to talk about this. I'm just so grateful for everything you shared and for the fact that for the gift that you've given the world just by following this dream and this call that God placed in your heart and, and just pursuing it. And I'm just so grateful for what you shared. So thank you. Um, and that's one thing that Madeline talks about in her book is how artists are, have to be brave. Absolutely. And I, and I think about that a lot. Like when you follow your dream, when you follow your love, you know, you have to be brave. Mm-hmm. You have to walk on water. Mm-hmm. Well, Jamie, this has been amazing. I know it's late so for much. you. I if hope I'm tired, I, I know you are, but I just, I absolutely loved this. It was so great to catch, catch up with you. We're going to stay in touch for sure. I want to stay in touch. I want to stay in touch. This was absolutely delightful. We're going to do this again. Yeah, for sure. let's stay in touch. Thank you so much. Yes. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Good night. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uncertain is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider making a donation by visiting tearsofeden.org support. All donations are tax deductible. Intro music featured in this episode is from the band Green Ashes. Before you go, please take a moment to like, subscribe, or leave a review, and don't forget to share this podcast show with everyone you know. I'm Katherine Spearing, and I'll see you next time. Yes.